Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that we come to a God who rules over the whole world, that you reign, that you are seated on the throne, that you are greater than all gods and all kings and all peoples. And although, Lord, sometimes it seems difficult to see your control in a world that is shutting you out, help us this morning to see that you are in control and to trust you in that and to understand what our part is to play in in our community, in our society. Father, help us this morning to to listen to you, to your word. Remove distractions from our our minds. Help us to, to hear. Father, give me strength, give me grace, give me clarity. And may you speak your words to us today. Amen. Continuing in the mini-series, Living for God, last week we looked at what it means to know God, to know God personally in relationship with him through Christ, and we thought a bit about what it means to know God through Christ's righteousness, not our own works, but what it means to live our life, continuing to know God more and more as we grow to become more like Christ. And we thought particularly how that works through suffering, through the difficulties, the trials, the persecution that we may face in life. God uses those things to grow us more like Christ. But also we thought about the end goal, that how Jesus will come back one day and bring all things into his, into his kingdom. And this morning, I guess in a way we're focusing down again and thinking more practically about well, what, how does all that fit into my day-to-day life in the world that I face Tomorrow morning when I go to work or to college or to the shops or wherever I go. So let's begin by, let me ask you to imagine a society. Imagine a society that is ruled by ungodly leaders. A society that is making um, ungodly laws. So those leaders are making laws that are just contrary to the Bible. A society where its education is anti-Christian and seeking to remove Christianity and religion from the schools. Imagine a society where, on the other hand, there is an increase of different religions, different ideas, different philosophies, different worldviews that are, that are crowding in around us. Imagine a society where your personal faith is squashed and made to be silent. A society where you're not allowed to evangelize, or it's made really hard for you. Imagine a society where church buildings are closing week after week. Well, of course, we don't have to imagine a society like that. We're living right now in a society much like that here in the UK, here in Oxford. Our leaders sometimes give lip service to God, but really they don't follow his word. They don't make laws that are true to the Bible. We live in a, in a society that immor- where immorality is becoming more and more acceptable. It's becoming more and more norm and open. Our education system is removing God, removing truth, or relativizing everything. We live in a society where you see church buildings being turned into mosques, into flats, into carpet shops. A society where you can't pray in work. You can't evangelize without being a nuisance to people walking in the streets. That's the reality that we face, isn't it? Day by day. If you've lived a long time, you, I'm sure, have noticed this more than perhaps I have. You've seen the world influence the society in such a huge way that it looks so much different than it was perhaps when you were younger. 
So what does that mean for us being Christians in such a society? Well, it means that it's hard. To live a life as a Christian means that we will stand out more. And so therefore, if we're going to want to make a stand, it will become more noticeable. And so therefore, it means that sometimes it's easier just to compromise, to be like society, or to hide our faith and live something different. See, for the first 21st century Christian, looking at society around us, we may be tempted to think, well, where is God in all of this? Is he really in control? Is he really sovereign? We may be tempted to just conform to things around us, to, to life, to live like our friends and our family. Maybe we question, what is the future? If this is the way things are going, what is the, the future of the UK? What's the future of the church in the West? Maybe we ask the question, if we want to make a difference, if we want to make a stand for the Lord, will it really matter? Can we change our society? Well, as we read Daniel 1, we see that here Daniel and his three friends faced a very similar situation. They were taken from their, their, from Israel, from Jerusalem, from where the king sat on the throne, where God was in control, away when all that seemed to be just destroyed and, and gone now. He's now living in a, in a new place with new leaders that are not following God. And there may well be temp- temptations to think, well, what's going on? Where is God in all this? And how do I now live in a, in a society that's all different from me? But the book of Daniel is, is brilliant at helping us to see that actually God is in control. It's a book written to help those who were in exile to see that actually, although you're now under in slavery, now under other gods, that Yahweh, your God, is still the true God. He is still in control. He is still more powerful than all the other gods. It's written to encourage those people to continue to live for God. Don't give up. Don't hide away. Don't compromise. But make a stand. It's written to help them to see that God is in it and that he will bless his people. And he uses the circumstances to bring about his glory. And just to encourage them to know that they're part of something bigger. And so as we think about Daniel uh, this morning and think about our society, let's learn to and be encouraged to trust God in it all, what we face, to trust God. It's a common phrase I'm sure you all have heard. People say that as Christians we are called to live in the world, but not of the world. It's true, we are called to live in the world, but not of the world. But we're also called to be in the world, and not of the world, so that we can change the world. So that's going to be what we're going to look at this morning. Trusting in God. Trusting in God's power, in God's control. We're living in the world. Daniel as we've just talked about living in this nation under foreign rulers, you can see in those first few verses, they're taken away. <clears throat> the king has come, the king has, 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 has Nebuchadnezzar has removed Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, taken him away, taken things from the, from the temple. Nebuchadnezzar is just saying, hey, look, my God is better than your God. Destroying the temple, removing things away to his own temple, next to his gods. Nebuchadnezzar is taking some of the finest young men, those of the nobility, those who were probably the future leaders of Israel, removing them from the scene, bringing them to to Babylon to train them in in a new way of life, a new culture, new education, new religion, changing their whole lifestyle, trying to convince them that, hey, now why don't you serve our gods? Live the way we are. It's much better. What is it? What it would have been like for those young men 
And they probably were young men, taken away from their families, from their home, from everything they know, they know brought to a, a completely new place that's foreign and alien to them. If you spend time abroad, you know what it's like to be in a, in a foreign society. If you're here from abroad, then you too know what it's like being in the UK, but seeing things that are different. How do you cope with such things? Whenever Nebuchadnezzar's big plan was that he wants to rule the world. He wants to be the king of everywhere. But yet he can't be everywhere to control. And so his idea is, well, let's take those future leaders of Israel, let's bring them to Babylon, let's train them, indoctrinate them, convert them to our religion, our culture, and send them back. And so Israel will now become one of our, our nations and will follow our religion. What is the future? What is the hope for, for Israel? Jerusalem has been taken over. There are no future leaders. If there are going to be future leaders, they're going to be Babylonians. Where is God? I hope you spotted it. He's right there in verse 2. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. You see, if you think right back to the beginning of the nation of Israel, and God said, you are going to be my special people. You'll have your land and I will rule over you. And if you obey me and, and serve me, I will bless you. But if you disobey me, if you turn away from me, and if you worship foreign gods, then I will curse you. And one of those curses is that foreign lands will come and take over you. And as we know, Israel didn't follow God. They disobeyed God. Israel turned to foreign gods. And so Isaiah, in Isaiah 39, verse 5, he says these words, Isaiah, to the people, hear the word of the Lord. The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all that your, all your predecessors have, have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. So there it is, a prophecy of what was going to happen if you don't obey me. And so here it is. Here is the fulfillment of God's promise. So from a human standpoint, yeah, it appears that God has lost control, that the foreign God is greater than, than the true God. That the, his king is better than their king. And what is, what is the hope? The hope is gone. But from God's point of view, he's, he's working out his purposes. He's fulfilling his promises to his people. This is what was going to happen. And God is using the circumstances of the world to fulfill his purposes. As we look at our world and we see a world that is rejecting God, our nation particularly that's rejecting God, what is going on? Where is God in, in all of this? Well, God is allowing it to happen. He's not going to force people to come and follow him and worship him, but he's just fulfilling his purposes. God has big eternal decrees that he's, that he's working out amongst his people to glorify himself. And God is fulfilling those things around us. So although we may see that we live in a society that is perhaps gone out of God's control, where the church is being closed down, being shut off, as Christians we we mustn't fear. We mustn't fear how hard it may get, how difficult it is to become a Christian, whatever the future holds for the church in Britain. We mustn't fear because God is in control. We mustn't give up. We mustn't back off. We mustn't think, well, maybe God isn't really there. We mustn't doubt his existence. We mustn't doubt the gospel just because we experience what we are experiencing. 
but trust that there is a hope, that there is a future, that God will ultimately have the victory. But we mustn't also assimilate, compromise, become like the rest of them. If the world around us is living the way it is, li- is living, let us not go along with the crowd. Let's not follow on how they're living, but to make a stand, as we'll see in a moment. Let's not hide. Let's not see, well, the world is, is, is too much for me to cope. I'm going to stay indoors. I'm going to live by, by, my, by myself. I'm going to keep away from the world and not enter in to what is around me. Now, as Christians, we're called to live in the world and to trust, trust in God's control and God's power. Secondly, we're called to trust in God's provision. So we're to live in the world, but not of the world. And God will help us to be not of the world. What does that mean for us personally? What does that mean for us as a church to be in the world but not of the world? How do we make a stand for Christ around us? Well, for Daniel, he has faced so much change, hasn't he? So many new things that that have come to him, a new education, new food, new name. Asked, being asked to, to change his whole identity. But yet many of the things that he's asked to change are not necessarily sinful. They're just different. Some things were sinful. And so Daniel has to know what the difference between what is right and what is wrong. He has to make wise choices, wise decisions about how he is going to live in the society and the world around him. And so we see there is one point in chapter 8 where Daniel decides to make a stand for his faith. And it's a stand that will make a difference for the rest of the next 70 years as he makes a stand for God. Let's read verses from verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official to, for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he look, see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would have my head because of you. And it goes on and Daniel says, well, well, hey, look, here's a suggestion of what we can do. Why don't you just give us vegetables, test us for a short time, and if it works, then you can take away our food. If it doesn't, then we'll do something else. But here you see Daniel deciding to make a stand for his faith. He decides here not to eat of the royal food and the royal wine. Why? Well, there's debate about what the reasons were. We're not told here. Maybe it was because it was unkosher. The meat was killed in a, in a way that wasn't right for Jewish people. Maybe the food was sacrificed to foreign gods and they didn't want to partake of that. Maybe by eating of the king's food, it meant that they were showing loyalty to the king. You eat at his table, you, show, you say that I'm your friend, I'm now with you. Maybe it was simply something in Daniel's experience he could control. Whatever it was, he decides to make a stand. He says, you can come, you can change my name, we can change my education, you can do all these things to me, but you cannot change who I am in God. I am a Jew. Yahweh is my God, and I will keep following him. That's what Daniel has decided to do. But how does he do it? Does he, does he stamp his feet? Does he cross his arms? Does he shout and say, no, I'm not going to eat your food? No. He doesn't rebel in such a way, but he, he comes graciously, gently, respectfully to the, to the, to the guard and, and makes this suggestion that this is who I am, this is what we want to do. 
He provides uh, an alternative. He helps the, the official not to, to lose face. And he does it with a, a godly attitude. Yes, Daniel is the one who makes this stand in such a way, and yet also we see God intervene, don't we? It's God who causes the official to show favour and compassion to Daniel. It's God who, who is the one who nourished them as they ate vegetables and water. God is at work here as Daniel makes the stand. Daniel steps out in faith and bold, with boldness, but God is at work. Before the summer, as a church, we looked at Esther, and you saw this sort of thing of God's sovereignty behind the scenes of, of Esther and, and, and those around her living for God and deciding to step out in faith and trust God. And it's the same thing here. As Daniel, he wants to make a stand for his faith. He steps out, and God is there with him and helping him along the way. So what about us? What are the areas, perhaps, where we may face difficulty, we may face temptation, we may face a chance to compromise, whether it's with our friends around about us who are, who are causing us to come in and be involved in things that we know are not right, and there's pressure there, you want to fit in to be like your friends and to be accepted, the chance to compromise. What about in the workplace? Gossip is going around, people are lying to, to gain advantage. How do you live as a Christian in such ways when people don't want, everyone's trying to get ahead? What about just in your neighborhood with people who live next door, people who you meet down in the shops who perhaps talk about the world and worldview and religion and they're, they're trying to dumb down the gospel and say that, well, you know, all religions lead to God. Are you going to agree with him? Are you going to just say yes, maybe? Or are you going to make a stand for Christ? What about those of you who are involved in evangelism in the church? Wouldn't it be easier just to change the gospel message, make it a little bit more attractive to get more people in? Or are we going to make a stand? Like Daniel, we need to pray for wisdom and for knowledge to know what are the areas that we need to make a stand on. What is the truth of the Bible and, and how do we make a difference? We need to pray that God will help us and show us these things. But also pray that God will give us the strength. He'll give us the character, the grace, the humility, the respect to be able to make that stand in a godly way. There's no point making a stand for Christ if we do it in an ungodly way because people aren't going to want to know. So we're called to live in the world, but not of the world. To make a stand for Christ, to make a difference in our community. But will it really make a difference? I guess is the question that we could ask. The world around us just seems to be turning away from God. Whenever we do speak of Christ, they don't want to know. They, they ask us hard questions or they, they just turn away. We lose our friendships when we seek to make a stand. Will it really make a difference? Well, for Daniel and his friends, it certainly did make a difference. And so the last point is learning to trust God's greater purposes and what he is doing. We're called to live in the world, but not of the world, in order to change the world. See, however hard it is for us to live as Christians in this world, whatever it is that we face, whatever it is that we go through, we must believe and trust that we are part of something bigger, that we are following and obeying a God who is bigger 
than everything that is around us. And that he is working out his purposes. And although things might not always go right for us, they may not work out the way that we want it or the way we expect, God is still at work. Verse 17. To these four young men, Daniel and his friends, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams. At the end of the time set before them, the king, they were brought into his service, and the royal officials presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none more equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They were better than all the rest. God had blessed them. God had given them wisdom, had given them knowledge, had given them skills and the ability to be able to interpret dreams. God had blessed them so that they could be in the place where God wanted them to be, to be able to make a stand and be a witness for him. So despite all that Daniel and his friends were now facing in this new foreign land, as they made a stand for him, as they decided to say yes to God and no to society, God blessed them for that and God used them for his purposes. As Daniel stands there, we see, don't we, that on for the next 70 years, Daniel remains in a place where he can have great influence to the king and make great changes. See, when we make a stand for Christ, God will bless us in one way or another. It might not be in the way we expect. It's not necessarily going to be in financial ways. It's not necessarily going to be in success. But God will use us. As we saw last week, we will be blessed in the fact that we'll grow in our own personal relationship. The New Testament tells us that we are blessed when we suffer because we are sharing with the sufferings of Christ. But we're blessed because we're simply being in the place where God wants us to be, serving him, obeying him, and God uses us to make a difference in the community around about us. See, this morning, God has placed you where you are for a reason, for a purpose. You are in the family that you are in. You're in the neighborhood that you're in. You go to the school or university where God has placed you to be in. You're part of that sports club. You're part of the toddler group. You're part of the local community group. Whatever it is, God has placed you there to make a difference. You may well be the only Christian that is in that place, the only Christian in your family, the only Christian in your workplace. But God has put you there so that you can make a stand for him and make a difference all around you. Now, of course, when we make a stand for Christ, it doesn't always mean people are going to come to Christ. You may well be rejected. You may well suffer. You may well be thrown into the fiery furnace. But God is always faithful. So whatever the challenges that you face, whatever the areas of testing or compromise you may be wanting to, to, to get involved in, what do you face this coming week? Will you trust in the God who is greater? Will you decide to follow him? Will you make a stand? Will you trust that God will use you and God will bless you in and through what, how you live? knowing that God is working out his bigger and greater purposes. You see, for Daniel, that one small stand that he made right at the beginning of his time in Babylon made the difference for how he was going to live his life for the next 70 years of exile. Verse 21 says, Daniel remained there 
in the king's service until the first year of King Cyrus. Many, many years later, Daniel served under three different kings, four kings, three different kingdoms, and God used him. You read the rest of Daniel, you see God using him to make a difference in the society. Because we're part of something greater. God is working out his purposes. And in chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. He has a dream of this statue, great and tall and mighty. It represents all the different nations that were going to come, great rulers of the world. And yet there was a small stone that was going to come and, and crush the feet of the statue. But this small stone was going to grow into a great mountain. It's a wonderful illustration, a picture of the kingdom of God. That although there may be great and mighty and powerful nations and great leaders who get, want to get rid of God, the kingdom of God will crush all those nations. And it will grow and grow and grow until the end. That kingdom started with Jesus Christ as he came to live on earth, as he died, as he rose again. As Christianity began and grew, it will continue to grow. And you've seen it spread out across the world to us here today. And it will continue to go on and on and grow and grow until the Lord Jesus returns. We're part of that kingdom. Which kingdom will we choose to be a part of this week? Will we follow the world? Will we follow that which seems to be good and exciting and successful? Will we follow the crowd? Or will we obey the Lord? Will we stick to the truths of the gospel? Will we trust in him? Will we make the decision to say yes to God? In 1999, there was a shooting, a massacre in Columbine High School in the United States of America. There, a teenage boy ran into the classroom with a gun and was shooting Christians. There was a young 16-year-old girl. I know she was 16 because she was the same age as I was at the same time. And she had a gun pointed to her head. And the boy said, if you deny God, I'll let you live. A few weeks earlier, she was filmed giving her testimony saying how she wanted to live for God and to obey him and to make a difference in the world. And so on that day, she said, I will not deny God. And so she lost her life. She made a stand for Christ. But she was blessed. And God used that moment to make a difference around the world. As her testimony has gone out and people have heard it, for non-Christians, they've come to Christ. For Christians, they've been encouraged to make the same stand. 2,000 years ago, as Jesus hung on the cross, his enemies, the devil, must have thought, we've won, we've killed the Messiah. And yet, as Peter tells us in Acts 2, yes, you crucified Jesus, but yet it all happened according to God's purpose, his plan, his foreknowledge. God was in complete control. So the challenge for us this morning is to live in the world, to not hide away from it, but to make a stand, to be different, not to assimilate. And as we do that, to see God working out his purposes in our lives, in our church, as through him, by God's grace, we make a difference around us. So what will you choose this morning? 
Will you trust? Will you trust in the Lord? Let's pray before we sing. Lord, we thank you for Daniel. We thank you for his example. Thank you for his determination, his resolve to make a stand and to obey you and to live for you. Thank you that he didn't give in to the the pressures and the temptations around him, but that he believed in you. He saw that you were in control, that you were working behind the scenes. He trusted in you that as he made a stand, he would be gracious, you would be kind, that you'd help him. Thank you that you did. Thank you that you used him in great and powerful ways to grow your kingdom, to glorify your name. And as we sit here this morning in 21st century Britain, tomorrow morning as we head out into the world around us, a society that is turning its back on you, that's pressurizing us as Christians to deny our faith, to keep quiet, to hide away, help us to trust in you. Help us to make a stand. Show us where we need to make a stand. Show us how to make a stand. Give us wisdom. Give us strength. Give us character. And Lord, whatever the result may be, whether it leads people to you or whether it turns them away further, may we just be obedient to you, Father. And may you bless us. Or may you bless this church. May it really do make a difference. We do pray along that you'd change East Oxford, that you'd change Oxford, that you'd change Great Britain. Why not? We pray, Lord God, that you'd use us, that we'd be vessels, humble and willing to be used, and to recognize that it's you who worked in and through us to change society. We pray this morning that as we make even that small, simple stand for you, whatever it may be, that you would use that to glorify your name, to exalt Christ, to bring people to yourself. And we thank you that in and through it all, you are there beside us, you're walking with us, you've given us your Holy Spirit, and we rejoice in that. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus and for his glory. Amen.